God, we love you, and uh, we are just thankful for you this morning. We're thankful for your presence here, thankful for everything that you bless us with, God. God, thank you for a place that we can come and just worship together, and, and, and the freedoms that we have here to be able to come into this place. And some of these countries that we're talking about in World Mission Broadcasts, they don't have the capability of, of meeting together like this. They would be arrested and jailed and God, we just thank you for the ability to even be here this morning. And God, as we, as we open up your word and we talk about the Holy Spirit this morning, would you just speak through me again? God, don't let it be my words that are, that are speaking, that no one needs human words this morning. We all need to hear from you. God, open our minds, open our hearts to be able to hear from you this morning. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have been uh, in this Multiply series. We actually have, have three more weeks left of this Multiply series as we kind of finish out our time in the New Testament. Uh, and so far, over the kind of the, the last couple months, we've been just going through the story of Scripture, going through the Old Testament, going through the New Testament, just to, to know the story. The whole point of Multiply, right, is to, to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples. And so to be able to do that, to be able to tell the story of God and to be able to tell our story, we need to know the story. So we've been going through the Old Testament and talking about people like Abraham and Moses and David and talking about these covenants. And, and a few weeks ago, we started our journey in the New Testament talking about Jesus and talking about the, the good shepherd that Jesus is. And last week, we, we talked about the Great Commission. What, what is the Good Shepherd calling us to? What are we being led by, by the Good Shepherd? Where are we going, right? This, 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 this uh, Great Commission of go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Right? This is the, the strategy of Jesus. And as we, as we uh, submit ourselves to the authority of Christ and as we depend on the, the presence of Christ, as, as we obey the strategy of Christ, let's go and make disciples of all nations, Man, I can just imagine just, just so many people being reached and touched for the gospel. Not to any of our glory, but to the glory of God. And so today, we're going to kind of keep going through the New Testament. And another, uh, another huge piece of the New Testament uh, is the Holy Spirit. And we're going to kind of talk through the Holy Spirit this morning. Who is the Holy Spirit? How does it act in our lives? I just want kind of to kind of get us to get a grasp of who this Holy Spirit is. What does it mean to, to have the Holy Spirit in our lives? And so, you know, sometimes we bring up the Holy Spirit, and, and it's, a, it's a little scary for people, right? I, I, we have name recognition, right? We, we've heard of the Holy Spirit. We, we know who He is. We could probably even have a conversation about the Holy Spirit, but, but do we really know? And do we really allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives, you know, like I said, we have name recognition of the Holy Spirit a lot of times in the church. Now, that's like one of these sayings that we say that, that, that everybody knows and everybody can kind of like, like when I say, hold the phone, people know like, hold on a second, right? You're not literally holding a phone. Like, we're, like you say, hold the phone. If you were to say that to someone who had never heard that before, they'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? I don't know what you're talking about. It's one of those sayings that people have heard and they can recognize, but they're not really sure what it means, right? I, I remember in youth ministry a few years ago, uh, I used to bring Ashley all the time to youth group, and the youth kids had this saying, and it's probably still a saying, a saying with some of the kids, they go, oh, snap, right? And some, one time, Ashley, just in the middle of a conversation, just goes, oh, snap. And I said, what does that mean? I don't know. The big kids say it, right? I don't know. I don't know what it means. It's, but, it, but I recognize it. I recognize what I recognize. Oh, snap. But I have no idea what it means. 
right? And the Holy Spirit sometimes is like that. We recognize it. We, can, we have name recognition of the Holy Spirit. But in a sense, we don't really know what it means. We don't really know what it means to have the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't really understand you know, how, how, how is it that we live through the Holy Spirit like the Gospels ask us to do. What does this even mean? You know, the crazy thing is, is if you were to, to grow up on an island and all you had was the Bible to read, and somehow growing up on an island you learned to read it and understand it, right? That's the other part of this thing that doesn't really work out. But if you were to grow out on an island with only the Bible to read, and 20 years later you were rescued, and you were brought to America, and you attended an American church, I, 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 I bet that you would just be shocked. Because in 20 years of reading the Bible and only the Bible and not meeting anyone else and not being involved in any churches, you would know from Scripture that the Holy Spirit is so essential to the Christian life. You would know that the Holy Spirit empowered the early church to do just some amazing things, right? They were doing miracles. They were, they were doing all sorts of things for the glory of God, to the kingdom of God, right? They were doing everything under the power of the Holy Spirit. And yet sometimes it feels like, like we're, we're not quite there yet. Yeah, I, I, I firmly believe this, that the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most misunderstood parts of our faith. I think if we really truly understood the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, our faith would be, would be different. Our churches would be different. Our churches would look different. Our witness would be, would be so much greater if we really truly believed and really truly lived in the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to, to live as Jesus calls us to live, then we're going to need to understand this. We're going to need to know what the Holy Spirit is. We're going to need to understand how the Holy Spirit changes our lives when we become Christians and, and God gives us the Holy Spirit, which we'll read about in a second, that your lives should change forever. We're going to use a couple of different passages this morning, both in the book of John, John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. If you go there with me, we'll just, uh, we'll just start out by reading those things. And really, like I said this morning, I just want to scratch the surface of what the Holy Spirit is and how the Holy Spirit acts in our lives. And some of the stuff that we talk about today might be familiar, but I want to I wanna re- kind of just reimagine this. Not that it's anything new, but I want to reimagine this in the sense of this. What if we actually lived like this is calling us to live? What if the Holy Spirit was a part of our lives in the way that Scripture asks it to be part of our lives? Let's read together. John chapter 14. We're going to start at verse 15. And then we'll jump over to to chapter 16 here. 14 verse 15. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He's talking about the Holy Spirit here. Now we jump over to, actually we'll start at chapter 15, verse 26. When the advocate comes, and just remember when he's talking about the advocate, he's talking about the Holy Spirit here. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for, and, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. 
They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I told you this so that when, the, when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Again, this is, this is just two passages in Scripture that talk about the Holy Spirit. And I think, like I said, I just want to scratch the surface. And, and I want to really start by just dissecting these, these two passages, and really just two words in this passage, and then we'll kind of get into the rest of this. All right, this, is, this is how uh, the author of John here talks about the Holy Spirit. He uses the word advocate. Right? Other translations might use the word comforter or helper or companion. Uh, the Greek word here, and I don't always go into Greek, but I'm going to a little bit this morning, is, is uh, parakesis. And parakesis is really two words. The first one is para, right, which, is, which means close, very close. It's the kind of close that you would talk about when you're talking about your relationship. Right? We're talking about it when, when you're talking about a close relationship like me and my wife or like you and your significant other, you and your family members. This is the kind of, of closeness that you would talk to. And then the, the, first, the last word comes from the root word kaleo, which means call. It's the kind of, of call that the disciples talk about. Like when, when Paul says, I'm called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. This is the kind of calling that he's talking about. It's the, the calling, a sense of purpose, a sense of, of this is what I'm here for. And so when you, when you put these words together, when you put this word and you understand what Jesus is meaning by the advocate, it, the Holy Spirit is someone who is, who is called to be close to you, who is called to be with you, called to be so close in relationship with you. This is what the Holy Spirit's role is. It's he's called to, to be with you and to be together with you. The Holy Spirit is called closely alongside of us to journey with us. In fact, John 14, the passage that we just read, says that the Holy Spirit is in you. Not just with you, but in you. If you have accepted Christ in this place, the Holy Spirit is in you. And it gets better. It gets better than this, right? The, even this, the word in John 14, before advocate, it says, I will give you another advocate. The word here in, in the original language just means another one of the same. Another one of the same. I will give you another one of the same advocate. He's talking to the disciples, right? He's just saying, I've been with you this entire time. And I need to go, but it's going to be better if I go, right? But I'm going to send you another advocate that looks exactly like me. 
No longer am I going to be with you, but you're going to have the Spirit with you, and the Spirit is going to be like if you had me with you. I'm going to send you another one of the same. It's another one of the same advocate. You will still have someone with you. It won't be me in my physical person, but it will be my Spirit within you. I mean, how amazing is this? This, this, is, this is telling us that, that the, the Holy Spirit is literally the Spirit of Jesus Christ who resides inside you and inside me as long as we have accepted Christ as our Savior. This is who the Holy Spirit is. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And this should change everything. When you, when you realize that you have the Spirit of God living inside you, it should change everything. Everything. See, what we say as Christians sometimes that, that we have the Holy Spirit. And yet if you were to look at our lives and compare it with some of the lives of the people who, who don't make that same claim, who don't believe in Christ, a lot of the times they look no differently. Why is that? Well, it'd be like if, if I just had an encounter with God and God said, Chris, you're going to be the most amazing basketball player in the world. I'm giving you this basketball ability right now. And then I was to go out and I was to play basketball. You would expect to see a drastic change in my game. Am I right? You would expect that I would just be like draining every three-pointer, even more than I already do, you know? Just play. <laughs> you, would, you would expect that I would be just so good at basketball. Like, teams would be recruiting me from the NBA. They'd just be like, Chris, we need you on our team. Here's, here's $10 million for you to come play on our team, right? This is, this is what you would expect if, if God had literally just said, Chris, I'm giving you all the basketball ability in the world. Here you go. And if I didn't show that, you'd begin to doubt me. Yeah, I don't know if God really gave him that. I don't believe him. I don't see it. I don't see it. And yet we wonder why people doubt us as Christians. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given something in our lives that should drastically change who we are. And yet sometimes it just flat doesn't. And yet we wonder why people doubt. If the Holy Spirit is in your life, it should change you. There should be a, a noticeable change in your life. But what, what should this change even look like? What, is, what does it look like to have the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, like I said, I'm going to scratch the surface this morning. And some of these things are probably a little bit familiar. You, if, you've, if you've heard about the Holy Spirit, you've heard a sermon about the Holy Spirit, you might recognize what I'm talking about this morning. But I want you to see it in a new light. What if we actually believed? And what if we actually trusted the Holy Spirit to do in our lives what Scripture tells us the Holy Spirit can do in our lives? What if we actually gave permission to the Spirit to, to do what we're about to talk about in our lives? Here's the, the first one. The Holy Spirit convicts us. All right, one of my favorite quotes that I, that I live by, I've, I've said a lot of times, it's God's job to judge, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and it's our job to love. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict, right? That's one of the, the main purposes of the Holy Spirit. And even in John 16 here, he even talks about this. But in verse 7, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away, because unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. 
But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. There's some other translations that say the word convict there. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment. Let's talk about those three things. What does it mean that the Holy Spirit is going to convict us about our sin? Well, verse 9, about sin because people do not believe in me. Right, sin. We know what sin is. We understand that sin is, is living contrary to the way that God would have us to live. Doing things that are contrary to the way that God would have us to live our lives. Disobeying. Disobeying God and, and what he's calling us to do and how he's calling us to live. Right, people do not believe in me, the author here says. Right, sin is, is, it can be defined even in our, in our, in our Nazarene beliefs, in, in, uh, in our uh, article of faith on sin. It says this. It says, sin may be defined as unbelief. That as we sin, it is an act of unbelief. It is, is it in essence, an act that we, of, of, of us not living the way that we know we should live, right? It's an act of unbelief, right? He convicts us of sin. And here's, here's what I want us to get this morning. Sometimes we think that, that if the Holy Spirit is in us, we should just all of a sudden just be perfect. And, and here's the thing. The Holy Spirit does not make you perfect. The Holy, Spirit, the Holy Spirit shows you that where you are wrong and calls you to change. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not make you perfect. The Holy Spirit coming in your life doesn't all of a sudden flip a switch to, I'm now a perfect Christian and I live the way that God wants me to live. The Holy Spirit comes into your life and he convicts you of the places in which you are not living as Christ and, and, and he calls you to change from those ways. This is the role of the Holy Spirit when he convicts you of sin. The author goes on here. He convicts you of righteousness. Verse 10, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. Now, righteousness, what is it? Why is Jesus talking about he's going to convict us about righteousness because I'm not going to be here anymore? What does Jesus even mean there? All right, well, Jesus, we talk about this all the time. Jesus came and he lived the life that we couldn't live. He died the death that we deserve to die. But that live the life that we couldn't live part is important here. Uh, Jesus is saying uh, he's going to convict you of righteousness. Righteousness is what? Righteousness is, is basically right living is what it is. He's going to convict you of the way that you're living. I'm not going to be here anymore. Remember, he's talking to his disciples. You've been with me for three years now, guys, but I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm not going to be here to show you how to live your life. I'm not going to be here to be this example of how you should live anymore. But the advocate will come. And he will show you how to live. He will show you what it looks like to follow me. Right? The Holy Spirit in our lives convicts us of righteousness. It, it, it comes into our lives and, and shows us how to live according to the way that Jesus would have us live our lives. This is what it means to be convicted about righteousness and of judgment. This one has always been kind of confusing for me, right? Why is, why is the Holy Spirit convicting us of judgment? That doesn't even make sense. Until you read verse 11. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I want to ask you a question. Who stands condemned in this passage? Is it you? Nope. Why do you think that is? Because in Christ Jesus there is now no condemnation. So is the Holy Spirit convicting you of your judgment? Is he, is he showing you your judgment? No, I think, in fact, it's probably the opposite. I think the Holy Spirit is showing you the, the lack of judgment from God on you. 
Right? He's kind of showing you that, that, that God is not judging you, that who stands condemned here? It's not you and it's not me because there is now no condemnation. It's not our judgment, but the lack of judgment that we get shown by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's really grace. I wish the author here would have said he would show us grace. But he says he's going to convict you of judgment, but not your judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. It's God's job to judge. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. And it's our job to love. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He's convicting us. The Holy Spirit also guides us. Which, if you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jesus being our good shepherd and how Jesus, as the good shepherd, guides us. Well, Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. He says it's going to be the same Spirit. He's going to be the same as me. And so the Holy Spirit here guides us. Right, if you read verses 12 and 13, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into all truth. Can you imagine a world in which every believer lived their lives led by the Spirit? It's a beautiful picture. Here's the question. Are you being led by the Spirit? Here's a good way to answer that question in your head. Here's, here's a kind of an image I can give you. If every Christian lived their life like you live yours, what would Christianity look like? Are you being led by the Spirit? If every Christian lived their life exactly like you live yours, what would the world's Christianity look like? Would it be a spirit-led faith? Or it would be a person-led faith? Because the thing is, I think this is one of those things that we know, right? We understand that the Holy Spirit is in our lives to help us and guide us into the, into the way that God would have us to live. But how often do we just try and lead our own lives? Right? How often do we, do we just kind of discard what God has for us in the scripture and, and just go our own way and lead our own life. Right? How often does this happen for us? I think, I think if ever, the problem here is that we lead our own lives instead of being led. But scripture is full of stories of people who are being led by the Spirit or led by God to do certain things and to do these amazing things. And what happens? Miracles happen. Powerful things happen. God is glorified. God shows up in some powerful ways when Christians live their lives being led by the Spirit. I mean, the disciples are able to cast out demons. Paul is preaching one day. He's preaching kind of long. And a guy falls out of a window listening to him because he fell asleep. And he dies. Paul goes over to him and he lays on top of him. And the guy wakes up. He's alive again. How does that happen? It's because Paul is leaving, leading his life by the Spirit. Paul doesn't have Jesus with him. He didn't be like, Jesus, hey, can I help heal this guy? No, Paul was living his life through the Spirit. And he was able to do some amazing things. I think about this. If every Christian led their lives through the Spirit, if every Christian was led by the Spirit in their lives, man, what a beautiful picture that would be. But how do we do that? 
How do we make sure that, we're, that we're, our lives are being led by the Spirit and not on our own personal preferences? That's too hard, God. I don't really want to do that, but I'm going to go ahead and do this thing over here. How do we know where God is leading us? How, how can we be guided by the Spirit? Well, the two big things, right, are, are prayer. We need to pray. We need to pray often. We need to know the voice of the shepherd like we were talking about a couple weeks ago. We also need to be in the Word. Here, here's, here's what this is. Prayer and the Bible is like having a conversation with God. In any relationship, the conversation has to happen for it to be successful. Can you imagine? I ask my wife to marry me, and I say, but here's the deal. I don't ever want to talk to you. Even more than that, I want to talk to you, but I don't really want to hear what you have to say. How long would this last? I come home from work one day, and we're at the dinner table, and I'm just, I don't talk very often, but I'm spewing out about my day, all the things that happened during this day. And then I just get up and leave. I don't listen to what she has to say. I don't care about what she has to say. I just get up and walk away because I've said what I want to say. It's not a conversation, and I guarantee you that relationship would not happen. The same thing is true with God. I mean, how many times do we, do we go to prayer and we just spew out about our days? God, this is what happened today. God, you'll never believe what she said to me. God, you never believe what my kid did today and where he did it, right? You'll never believe all of this stuff. You'll never believe this, God. And, and here's this, and here's this, and here's this. And, and this is what I want, God. This is kind of what I want from you. This is what I'm expecting of you. I'd like you to heal this person. And, and man, I really want to pray for this person. They're not doing very well. And man, this guy over here, I just don't know. I just want to pray for him. And thanks. Amen. And yet we spend no time listening to God. And then we do the same thing with Scripture. We go to Scripture, and we open it up, and we say, all right, but very truly I tell you, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. That's really interesting. Yeah, and that was a good Bible reading today. Set our Bibles down, go about our day, do our own thing, and have no, no expectation that, what does that even mean? God, what do, you, what do you mean by this? What do you mean it's better that I go away? Like, how, does that even strike anybody? Like, how, how can we read that and be like, what in the world is Jesus talking about? How could it be better that Jesus is going away right now? Can you imagine being Jesus' disciples? It's better that I go away. Oh, right, right, yeah, it's better that you go away. It's better that you're gone. Okay, yeah, thanks. Because you're the one doing all these miracles. You're the one that's leading us. Who are we going to follow? Without both sides of the conversation, your relationship with God will never grow. And without both sides of the conversation, you will never be led by the Spirit in the way that you're meant to be led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us. But He can't guide us if we're not with Him. If we're not in a relationship. If we're not allowing the Spirit to be a very close partner with us. It will never happen. What else does the Spirit do? The Spirit empowers us. 
Spirit empowers us. One of my favorite verses is this one in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. A few years ago, I was, I was just thinking and praying. And I was thinking about this verse. I was thinking about, God, I don't see this anywhere. I don't see the, the power of the Spirit anywhere. God, where, where are you today? Where is this today? God, where are these miracles that you do in Scripture through the people that, you have the Holy Spirit, that we know have the Holy Spirit? Where are those today? Where are the examples of, of Christians who are, who are living in the power of the Spirit? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Where is this power, God? Where is this? And I was struggling with that. Because I didn't see it anywhere. I just kept praying, God, let me see this power. Let me see the power that you're talking about. Let me see the power that comes on you when the Holy Spirit is in you. God, let me, let me see this. And I just began to be reminded of all the times that I had seen it. Of a kid in, in a high school camp who, who blew out his knee but was healed miraculously by his friends. Right, of people who have been, been freed from addiction. Of people who have, who have just done some, some amazing things through the power of the Spirit. And I began to get excited. And my prayer didn't become anymore, God, God where are you? God, where is your power? My prayer began to be, God, how would you empower me? Would you empower the people I'm ministering to? Would you empower our church? Would you empower us through your spirit? Would we be a church who has received power because we have the Holy Spirit? And God, would you, just, would you be used in this power? Would people come to know you through this power? Would, would this power come to glorify you? God, we want to be empowered by your spirit. The Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes in you. This is, this is not just me saying that. This is not just like a motivational speech this morning. This is straight from the book of Acts. Straight from the mouth of Jesus to his disciples saying, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And he goes on, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the very ends of the earth. You, you, this is the kind of power that you're going to have. You see how this ties into last week. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the very ends of the earth. What You'll receive power and you will do what? You will go and you will make disciples of all nations and you will baptize them and you will teach them. When you, you use this strategy, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But here, the kicker is this in all of this, right? The Holy Spirit is there to convict us. He's there to guide us. The Holy Spirit can empower us and I pray for that every day. But here's the kicker. I, it is, it's for your good that I go, Jesus says. It's for your good that you go. I want to just read this real quick. It's from a book called The Holy Spirit by John Bevere. And here's what he says. He puts us in the shoes of the disciples. And here's what he says. Put yourself in the disciples' shoes. Your leader 
who you know to be the Son of God, has just told you that he needs to leave you and that his departure is for your benefit. That would sound crazy to me. If he is God, wouldn't it be most to your benefit for him to stay? I'm sure the disciples were thinking the same thing. And for this exact reason, Jesus prefaced this statement with, I tell you the truth, very truly I tell you. So why was it best for the disciples and the generations of believers to come, including you and me, that Jesus went away? Consider this. If Jesus never left the earth, then the Holy Spirit would never have come alongside of us. If I wanted to receive something from Jesus, I would have to travel many miles just to see him. My journey would probably begin with the flight to Tel Aviv, which would be the busiest airport in the world. I would then need to rent a car, drive to Galilee, and hope to find some kind of decent accommodation. The hotels would be completely full. Then I'd have to find Jesus. It wouldn't be hard to find because millions of people would be waiting to speak with him. And after finding him, I'd have to wade through the most complex system of lines ever known to mankind because everyone would want to ask Jesus a question or present him with a request. Since there would be such a long line, I would probably be limited to a maximum of 60 seconds with Jesus. So I would definitely need to have my questions or requests ready. And remember, he would need to sleep and eat, so he would have maybe a good 14 hours a day to give to the masses. At this rate, Jesus would be able to see 840 people a day if he spent 60 seconds with each person. It would therefore take Jesus 1,190 days to see a million people. That's 3.26 years, by the way. But keep in mind that if, if that new people would constantly be joining the stream, and what if there were a fast-past line <laughs> for those who really urgent, with really urgent needs and requests, these people would always be going to the front of the line, right? I think we can surmise that getting to Jesus would be nearly impossible and definitely improbable. The good news is that the Holy Spirit is always there for us. He doesn't have to sleep or eat. He can carry on billions of conversations at the same time with billions of different people. When we allow our understanding of the Holy Spirit to be radically transformed by the Word of God, we begin to understand why Jesus could say, it is better for you that I go away. It's better for you. The disciples, you can imagine them. They're thinking... We followed this guy for three years. He's taught us everything we know. He's been the one that, that fed the five. We watched him feed the 5,000. We gave him a fish and like five loaves, and he just like blew it up, and we had 12 baskets left over. Right, we've seen all of this stuff happen. Like, how is it better that, that, I would, that you would leave us? And then on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, and everyone is speaking in their own languages, what everyone understands. And the book of Acts, thousands are being added to their number daily, those who are being saved. We begin to realize Jesus was right. It is better. It is better that he would go. And we begin to understand John 14. In John 14, it says, uh, I'll just open it up. I don't, don't want you to think I'm just making this up. John 14. Verse 12, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. I want you to hear this again. This is why I, I, 
Jesus literally said this. I'm not making this up. We will do the things that Jesus did if we have the Holy Spirit. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. It's better that I go to the Father because then you receive the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine a world in which every Christian lived by the Spirit? allowed the Spirit to move in their lives and convict them in their lives, allowed the Spirit to guide them and to lead them in their lives, and allowed the Spirit to empower them to do the things that he's asking them to do. This is just an amazing picture. All right, why don't we do the things that God wants to do sometimes? Well, they're going to be too hard. It's going to be too uncomfortable. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit empowers you to do those things. This is the power that comes on you when the Holy Spirit comes. Man, the Holy Spirit is such an essential to our faith. Can you imagine? I can. That's a beautiful thing. It's a kingdom thing. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we are, again, just so thankful for you today. God, our prayer this morning is that you would just that you would send your spirit in each of us and that we would take seriously the, the scripture that says that, that the Holy Spirit is now in us. God, and that as we take this seriously, that, that, we would be, that we would be convicted by the spirit and we would be guided by the spirit and we would allow ourselves to be led by the spirit and empowered by the spirit, that we would live spirit-filled lives, that when people look at us, they know that something is different. God, may our lives look different because we have the Spirit of God in them. And may that be a catalyst for change in our church, in our community, in Fresno, and around the world. God, a Spirit-filled church is a powerful church. God, we love you. We thank you for everything that you've done in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And as we go, I just want to just pray a prayer of blessing. Just receive this blessing this morning. May the God of hope and peace, may he, through the Holy Spirit, may he guide you and convict you and empower you to live the life that he's calling you to live. Go in peace this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Go in peace.